Today on the Unknown Packers podcast, the bearded duo gives us a thrilling third session. There's a little talk about the heartbreaking loss to the Chargers, but it's not all doom and gloom this episode. Bryce and Jeremiah bring us their mid-season awards. Who is the Packers' biggest bust this season? Who is the biggest sleeper? Who is the mid-season MVP? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for the bearded duo sessions, number three. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go, Pack, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Yeah. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for a bearded duo session number three. We went into the bellows of the bay, naked cannonball style for the first one. For the second one, talked about how we miss each other's bodies and Kittrick Taylor. What are we going to talk about in this third bearded duo session? Well, we're going to give you the pardon interrupted, a little bit more of an abbreviated style of the pardon interrupted. And for those of us, or for, tho- for those of you that have been following us from the get-go, uh, you're pretty familiar with this. And for those of you that are not, we have done two so far, and they were us- usually our preseason awards. We didn't do a preseason award for this year, but we're going to do a mid-season award session of our Green Bay Packers but first and foremost, I am welcomed by the one and only Jeremiah Wayman, my brother from another mother. How are you doing, my brother? Bryce, man, you know, besides uh, being a little depressed from that crazy, weird uh, game over the weekend, you know, I got over it. Actually, I, I think I've, uh, in my old age or whatnot, I don't know what you want to call it, I've, I've become uh, better at dealing with a loss. I like to think it's because I'm smarter or more informed as a Packer fan. So. I don't necessarily <laughs> just get completely pissed off for no reason. I, I break it down logically to to reasons why we lost, and so for that reason, you know, I think I I felt okay about it. Uh, you know, I'm still torn up. It's it's a loss, it's a loss, but I'm not letting it completely bring me down as I may have four to five to seven to ten or how many years ago when I could probably uh, have just blacked out for uh, three hours after a loss and. Not remembered a damn thing. And then, uh, you know, you wake up the next day, you're like, wait, what happened after the <laughs> third to fourth quarter? Yeah. But thankfully, I'm in a much better space right now, I think. so. Are you? Because I didn't even ask. I mean, I did ask how you're doing. And you just started talking to me about the Packers loss and how, I mean, I think you that was uh, some really nice talk therapy. And I mean that in all honesty <laughs> of like just working through, yeah, the disappointing loss from this past Sunday. We didn't do a post-game episode, and uh, I'll be completely honest, I've been struggling all week, not not necessarily about the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they fall to 7-2 and two after the 26-11 loss. We did not do a post-game episode. I was going to do a solo episode, and then things just, I just wasn't feeling it, but I'm feeling it tonight for the Bearded Duo Sessions number three. 
And I think for the most part, the one thing that really disappointed me is the toxicity of our fan base and the toxic nature that is Twitter that I sometimes use to talk about the Unknown Packers podcast and the Green Bay Packers. But I was pretty bummed out after the Packers lost just to see how the fan base reacted. And it was an ugly loss. And I think missing curfew and then also Lafleur coming out and saying that they lacked focus and they let this game slip through their fingertips, especially with it almost being a home game because the Packers travel so well to Los Angeles. But it is what it is. I'm hoping this bearded duo session rejuvenates me. I'm pretty confident already. I'm already feeling a little, you know, pep to my step already. I'm feeling good. But I wanted to take a few day break from podcasts and talk about the Green Bay Packers. So for those that were looking forward to a post game episode, our apologies. But here we have it. Bearded duo session number three. The pardon interrupted, which is, uh, what is it, MVP, sleeper, breakout, and bust? And we're just doing overall, right? Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, for previous, you know, if you've been able to, if you've been following us from the get-go and listen to the first uh, two versions of this, I think we've usually done uh, offense and defense, but kind of, you know, slim it down, keep it within our allotted time of kind of keeping this palatable for those listeners out there we're just going to do an overall each of us keep it nice and smooth but um yeah so what are we doing you know to me we always do these and i, I think i always think the same thing sleeper breakout are those the same thing are we just doing a what's the difference between a sleeper and a breakout i don't know i think we should just let it flow cool no i'm just see. i'm just <laughs> just see what i happens. think i was writing them down oh. i'm like what is the difference between a sleeper and a breakout i honestly was a it was boggling my mind for a minute there. I think. Well, let's let, let's start off. Let's start off with the breakout. Let's just let's just. Or do you want to start off with the MVP? I mean, our bearded duo sessions are really just. Uh, we're just going with the flow. I, I do have just a little bit of a script on who I wrote down, and I just put. I just jotted down um, some notes, but so I, yeah. Over. I say we end. We end on that? a high note. Let's end with the MVP. Start with our okay. bust. I'm gonna start with our bust. Get get yeah, that out get of the that way. Of the get way, the, get I guess. the garbage out of the way, and then uh, kind of build ourselves up to the the icing on the cake. All right. Okay. Well, why don't uh, I'm really curious. So, who is your bust? Overall bust. I think um, you know I had a couple ones I was thinking about. Of course, I think ones that maybe would would have been more you know bigger names that necessarily uh, <clears throat> Blake Martinez. Um, oh jeez! <laughs> uh, but but I went with uh, I went with more of the, I guess obvious choice in in a in a place of uh, I think other than him has been pretty successful, which is um, the offensive line, and you know Billy Turner has just ah, not, and okay. not that he's you know necessarily came in as some highly touted. I mean he was he was seen as a uh, you know a journeyman who had a you know one or one and a half good seasons so far. I think was more seen as a, a really solid backup, not necessarily a, a guy who necessarily should be a starter. And, you know, I think it's shown, especially in pass blocking. Um, he's just been a, I don't want to say sieve, but, uh, you know, pretty, pretty leaky. He, yeah, you know, he's tried, I think he's made up ground a little bit in the run game. Like he's, I think he's looked better. He's had some splash plays. I think uh, there was a touchdown a couple of weeks ago, just making a beautiful hole for uh, Aaron Jones. You know, those have been few and far between. And then I think there's days like 
on Sunday where, you know, you have a, a stunt play from either, I, I think it was, I believe it was Ingram or Bosa or one or the other. I mean, they were just wreaking havoc one way or the other. But, you know, just made Turner look like a fool. And and I think that's been the lasting image so far of this season with with, with Turner um, rather than, you know, some of those splash plays like uh, in, in the run blocking scheme. So, you know, that's it sucks because I, I think uh, Goody has definitely done some good things, obviously, free agency wise this season. But that one maybe was, uh, you know, maybe one to take back, but not necessarily even that. I think maybe, you know, he's better suited as a backup. Granted, we did pay him a, a decent chunk of change that uh, necessarily wouldn't be normally, you know, handed out to a backup. But, you know, that, uh, yeah, I think that's where my head's at. Yeah, I don't know. But how about you, man? <laughs> well, Billy Turner signing a four year, $28 million deal, he was probably the most surprising free agent signing I'd have to say. I mean, I think the, uh, I think the money, wise. yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. And I definitely, I'd much rather have him than than Byron Bell. But there are definitely times where I don't know what's going on. I mean, there have been times where it just seems like he's completely given up on plays. And as an offensive lineman, you can't do that. And so I, I, I definitely agree with that. It'll be interesting to see what happens as we go through the season. I wonder. I mean, our offensive line, especially our bookends, are banged up. I think Bakhtiari's still dealing with that back injury, Balaga dealing with that finger injury. So I I, I can comp- I, I I'm hoping to see uh Billy Turner start to uh I don't know, uh play for what his contract is worth, but I do think that we we overpaid for a guy because we needed to lock up that guard position, but I'm with you. I I, I struggled with um bust with this bust category because I I don't I mean I, I love the Green Bay Packers, so I, I, I'm. It, it's really hard to talk negatively about someone on this team because, I mean, in years past, it could be like Demarius Randall, where oh, I, yeah. I did not like the guy, and I'm just like, I don't care about talking about him. I'll talk about him. Bust all day, or I think he was um, my bust every year for you know two and a half years. Yeah, you uh, you you had him cut off our 53 man roster. Did. I did. I think in our second year, and I think we even had Demarius Randall, like because we used to do like pictures for our on tap episodes that yeah. we released. And I think Demarius Randall yep. was our was our photo. <laughs> you had him uh, not making the 53 man roster after we selected him in the first round of the year. Well, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, to be, to <laughs> I love be, it. To be well, fair, didn't I mean, he? I'm didn't with he get you. Traded though that uh, that season. For Kaiser, or was it the year following? The following year. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But you predicted it because he had the Bears meltdown. I mean, because you predicted it end of August, and then he had the Bears meltdown like week three or four that year. Remember that? Where he got banished to the locker room, and then he just ended up... Ran away crying to the locker room. And then, like, I think he left the stadium. Like, I think he got in his car, and he left, and then, like, had to explain why... Uh, maybe I maybe I read that wrong. Maybe he just got banished to the locker room and he stayed there. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had to go find a Giordano's quick. He was in Chicago, you know. Giordano's is he a no, big I fan know. of that? Oh, I see. Uh, deep deep dish pizzas. Pizza, Bust. Bust. Okay. So yeah, I struggled with this, but I, I, I thought about it and there there are people that I went back and forth and um I initially was thinking Jimmy Graham, just because he is the highest paid tight end in the NFL right now. Um, what is he at? Like, he's got like 230 yards. Anyway, 
but I will say for bust and and I with this label, I would just say more like disappointment or perplexing is what I would coin or phrase it as is is Jair Alexander. And I I think my concern and I hope that you know I I try to remain as grounded as possible. And I'm with you that the after that 2015 NFC championship loss, there there is uh you change after that. You change. There, there's nothing. You're not the same after that 2014, 2015 season. But I, with Jair Alexander, that he is, he is staring into the quarterback's eyes, and the quarterbacks are baiting him. And for a guy that really is confident, brings his A game, brings his swagger. It, it's concerning when you have that confidence. Where I, I need to see some sort of humility and groundedness and how you do that is you you don't give up plays where potential interceptions you don't get burned uh, like you do and so I think that if you get he got burned in the Dallas Cowboys game against Amari Cooper but more times than not when you're when you're counting on him to make a big play it hasn't been there at least in the last few weeks so it makes me wonder is he playing through injury is it a sophomore slump? Is it where quarterbacks have figured out his Achilles heel? But one thing's for sure is that quarterbacks have have definitely baited him in the way where he is getting burned left and right. Something that we weren't expecting for uh, last year's first round pick from Brian Gutekunst where we traded back up with Seattle and selected Jerry Alexander out of Louisville. So for my bust, I'm... I'm, I'm I would say more disappointment and perplexing and I'm hoping it's an, it's an injury but you're you're seeing him get burned and granted he's locked down on some of these wide receivers but once we get into the playoffs and you've got the Michael Thomases and you you've got George Kittle and you've got these running backs and I'm trying to think of kind of other dominating wide receivers in uh the NFC that that might give us fit I mean definitely Minnesota with Thielen and Diggs I'm really curious about that but I would I mean, say if, my if bu- the Rams are making, you know, if the Rams making into the playoffs, if yeah, with Cooper Cup and you know Seattle's now got, I mean, DK Metcalf uh, seems like he's yep. he's kind of a stud. But I'm glad I like I actually like where you're. I, I almost went that same route with uh, Jair just for exactly what you were saying. And I I think you know during our kind of weekly texts or maybe tweets on uh, through the you know Unknown Packers podcast team, I think we we even maybe I we brought it up during the game that. You know, Jair, it seems like he's, you know, when he's on, he's, he's, uh, he's one of the better corners that we've, we've had in recent memory as far as Packers. You know, I think I compared him to peak Tremont Williams, like back, you know, when we had Tremont the first time around and, you know, all pro or maybe pro bowler Tremont Williams, um, just real solid lockdown. And, but then when he's, when he's off, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's the epitome of Terrell Buckley, you know, all the physical skills, but man, does he take, like, take the bait, like you said on, uh, you know, watching the quarterback's eyes or just taking, but, but then it's, yeah, I mean, you see those, those moments where, you know, even on, uh, was it this Sunday or past Sunday where he, you know, peels off of his coverage to come take down a guy in the backfield. That's not his responsibility as at all. But because he kind of, like you said, you know, watches the quarterback, sees where the play is going besides what his responsibilities are, he's able to make that play and make it make it well. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily an injury thing. I think it's literally just getting him to convince himself to to, to stay with his guy. 
And I, you know, I, whether he wants to make that play, he wants I, I think to make that's that what play. It is. I think that's what it is. I think it's honestly that he, he put all this, this onus on himself at the beginning of the season, which is great. You know, give yourself yeah. high expectations to be a all pro, to be the best corner in the NFC, NFL, whatever. And honestly, you're not gonna, you don't, you don't get that notoriety unless you have big splash plays in my mind. Unless you, you know, you have a bunch of picks, you have, you know, a couple of pick sixes, you have those splash plays that really put your name at the top of the list. And even the first couple of weeks when he was playing locked down, but he, he yeah. wasn't getting picks. He wasn't, you know, he, he was having those tackles behind the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. But, you know, not those type of plays that would be like, oh, man, like, J, J, you know, puts you on the top 10 ESPN, whatever. So I think well, he's... Didn't he, didn't oh, he yeah, have that? Ahead, well, didn't he have that? He had that play on, was it Irv Smith? With, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean... And he's sticky. Like, I mean, there's definitely things. I mean, I there's there's a lot that I love about Jair. What was, I mean, just my growing, like I said, perplexing, just disappointed. I, I was hoping that it would be a year two jump. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is what his Achilles was last year, was that he gets a little too excited. And can he rein yep. that in? And I love the confidence and I love the swagger, but at at times, I, I think I also have to check myself and realize that he, it's his second year. But I, I'm with you. I I like the fact that he, you know, he's so instinctive, where he's intuitive, and he can make those plays where he leaves his guy. But I also don't want him. To hold us back, I you know we give up a ton of of big plays. I think we lead the NFL in in big plays that given up. So definitely that bend don't break. But um, moving moving along real quick, I just realized that we were talking a long time on on the disappointing yeah. perplexing bust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But getting to now, we get to figure out some clarification on sleeper breakout. You mind if I go real quick on the sleeper? Do do it up, man. I bet I bet we have the same one. Maybe okay. Maybe. I'm I'm intrigued. I so for me, I I tossed and turned. I l- literally was thinking about this for a while on on what what I thought was a sleeper, and I I decided to go with Elton Jenkins. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, second draft in the second round out of Mississippi State, and I think that you know he plays a very I guess quote unquote unsexy or undesirable position at left guard. But what Elton Jenkins, I mean, he might be the steal in the draft. I would put him up there in consideration for offensive rookie of the year. According to Pro Football Focus, Jenkins has allowed zero sacks, zero quarterback hits, and only eight quarterback pressures on 422 offensive snaps this season. So I, for me, what he's done, what he, to step in, uh, you had Lane Taylor in there before, I miss the good old days of, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where you had the Sittens and the Langs of the world and the Walls and the Riveras where they brought this nasty. And Elton Jenkins is a guy that just brings nastiness to his to, to his game. He is a straight-up pancaker, can go to the next level, go to the second, third level in a blink of an eye. I think he's just scratching the surface, which is really scary. But I also felt like I'm underselling him a little bit as a sleeper. But I don't think all of us thought, and I'll admit, maybe a lot of us groaned when we took a guard in the second round. He played at center as well, so he can move up and down that 
uh, that line. I, I think he's going to be a pivotal, po- piv- pivotal cog in our offensive line for years to come, knock on wood. I haven't been this excited about an offensive lineman, I don't think, ever. And let alone him being a rookie, I think that I'm underselling him as a sleeper, but I don't think anyone expected him to come in and do what he's doing right now. They might have talked about it in preseason, but did we legitimately think he was going to be doing this as a rookie and quite arguably is the best offensive lineman that we have and quite arguably might be the best offensive lineman in the NFL? Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, yeah, okay. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. oh, yeah. I okay. went there, I went there. Okay. Uh, you had me at a you had me at a offensive rookie year, I think, and then uh, then it, then it just went off the off the rails. Oh, there, man. come on, come on! Kidding. No, no, no! Let's I jump actually, into uh, the bellows of the bay, my friend, naked <laughs> cannonball style. I miss your body. <laughs> I I do agree with you. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, I do wholeheartedly agree with you. Actually, on that one though, um, that is the I'll best just... offensive lineman in the NFL. No, just that uh, he's. Come uh, on. I think a phenomenal he's a phenomenal draft pick, phenomenal pickup in the second round. Possibly, you know, like I think, you know, our our most consistent offensive lineman. I don't, you know, can you say our best offensive lineman? I, you know, oh yeah, obviously you got a Bakhtiari, but um, as far as consistency wise, and since he's been plugged in there after uh, Lane Taylor was taken out and put on IR, he's been uh, he's been he's been the rock man, and it's been phenomenal. So I will even go as far as this that he's been assisting. David Bakhtiari. I think, you know, Bakhtiari's not healthy. I, I, I think he's playing hurt, uh, and it, it's tough, but I think Lane, or not Lane Taylor, I think Elton Jenkins has assisted David Bakhtiari. I mean, Brian Balaga, I think, outside of last week's game, and with his broken or his dislocated finger, which you could tell that he was favoring that and making sure that that wasn't getting any pressure. But I, I mean, arguably, he could be our best offense alignment. But I think impact-wise and what he does, going to the next level, speed, nasty, he's he's got it all. No, I yeah, I love I, I love that pick, man. He'll actually, he came up in my MVP discussion, sort of in a way. So I'll uh, I'll yeah, bring that up a little later. Okay. But um, who's your for me the. Uh, you know, it was a tough one. So I'm going to go with, uh, I had, so this is the one I had that you thought, or I thought you were going to take was Alan Lazard. <laughs> so, but I'm going to go with Jamal Williams actually. Oh, Cause I think I like that one. That was my uh, second one. I just really, you know what he's done and I, you know, it's been more, uh, you know, definitely in that, that four game stretch with, with uh, Devante out, he, he showed what he can do. And I mean, he showed this last year though, as far as a receiver, but, uh, you know, this year, six total touchdowns, 394 total yards. And what it, what really, you know, Jamal Williams by himself, I don't think is really the thing that is catching my eye and maybe even calling him a sleever. But it's the it's the combination of the two in, in him and Aaron Jones, because the way I see it and, you know, people have, I think, mentioned this um, even last year and, you know, in McCarthy's misuse of both of them to say, hey, Look at look at the comparisons. Look at what they could be in you know Alvin Kamara and and uh, Mark Ingram, and you know so last year combined, I think Kamara and Mark Ingram had a, around twenty four hundred total yards from scrimmage. The previous year they they I think they hit just over three thousand yards combined from uh, yards from scrimmage, and so I think you know obviously this year I'm not I'm not going to say that Jamal and Aaron Jones are going to eclipse that because. I feel like they did get off to a little slow start. Um, you know, that four-game stretch there where they were just clicking. Obviously, uh, on Sunday, I think Jamal was probably 
the only highlight of the game in my mind. And, but to see, you know, the, those two clicking on all cylinders and to see what they could be, I, I do think that that could be, you know, that type of, of duo, whether that's next year or we kind of see that really start to blossom. Uh, hopefully, you know, if we get the offense back on track here uh, against Carolina, but to see that really start to click in, in those two together, uh, I, I think that's totally in the realm of possibility. And, you know, I think after this weekend, you, you mentioned uh, Twitter and the depressing and kind of insane Packer fan fandom. You know, everybody, you know, fired, cut Devante and trade Devante and, and whatever. Disgusting. Okay. So in my mind, yes, we, we do need to uh, obviously rework. You know, I, I did. Th- I do think it put a little hitch in in the, uh, the, the role that we had kind of gotten on and how he was calling a game plan. But I think if you look at teams, again, not sorry to keep comparing to the Saints, but you can totally have, you can have your, your Kamar, you can have your Ingram, and you can have your Michael Thomas that get their, they get, they eat, they get their, you know, they get their bread. They, they get their balls in, in their, in their direction. Balls and, in their direction. Oh, <laughs> yes. Right across the face. Sorry that I, I just yeah, that was right up there. I I, I had that a, was horrible. Oh, that was just like a soft lob. Oh, that soft was, lob to yeah. you, and you just crashed it out of the park. Oh, big time. <laughs> I, I'm but with, I think I'm with you, man. I'm with you on the whole Kamara talk. And I think you know, um, I, and we you know go back to uh, now a year and a half ago, probably when uh, you know the firing of McCarthy was being rumored, and I, I brought up there. There's a reason I brought up Pete Carmichael as one of my favorite candidates uh the new orleans states offense coordinator and pretty much what i just mentioned the 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 usage of uh of kamara melvin ingram and then michael thomas i think you know that was attractive just in its sense right there and i think um i i would be enamored if uh if really you know lafleur could dig into that same you know real obviously me and you know geez people are talking about well you know Devontae's not going to get got his amount of targets if if uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams are stealing all the thunder, I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, yeah, okay, MVS, maybe Lazard, they might get left out of the conversation a little bit. But man, if you're going to, you can feed Devontae, you can feed Jamal, you can feed Aaron, you can get them all, you can make them all happy. And this offense will uh, be an unstoppable machine. And uh, we just got to figure out how to keep it going week to week. I I like the sleeper of Jamal Williams. Like I said, I use probably the second guy that I was thinking about, to be quite honest. And I don't think, I mean, They've got some work cut out for them if they want to get 3,000 yards, but Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams together right now have 16 touchdowns, 1166 scrimmage yards at 4.5 yards per touch. So I I mean, I think that they're they're one of the main reasons everything stems from the run. We talked about it in the offseason leading into training camp that in order for the Packers to be successful, the run game has to be successful. And I, I... Fully believe that we'll we'll continue to see uh, what our running back uh, duo will, will provide moving forward. I think Devonte Adams was was not incorrect uh, and wasn't foolish when he said that they're the best one-two punch in the league. I think they are, and that leads me into my breakout actually. So the difference with the sleeper and the breakout actually, my breakout was Aaron Jones, and I know that people saw the breakout last year. We all knew that he was going to be dynamic, but. When you're looking at in the passing game alone, of his 361 receiving yards, 334 yards have come after the catch. 
Additionally, Aaron Jones leads the entire Packers offense in targets with 42, receptions with 35, touchdowns with 11, and 821 scrimmage yards. I think that what is so impressive is that he is a do-it-all playmaker. And the stats I got from uh, Joe Kip, so uh, uh, of uh, NFL Spin Zone, so kudos to him. But I think what we're seeing with Aaron Jones and how serious he took this offseason where he completely dedicated this offseason to transforming his body. Uh, he trimmed down to roughly over 5% body fat, kept, kept the same weight, which is astonishing. And now we're seeing, as long as he stays healthy, uh, what he can do in the NFL. I think he is, we've talked about the parallels with Al- Alvin Kamara. I think with Aaron Jones, uh, we're going to continue to see how dynamic he is. I even considered him for MVP. What I thought... Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't know if... That's the crazy thing is that you also have Jamal Williams in there, but Aaron Jones can do it all. He can pass pro. He can catch. He can run. He's got a nose for the end zone. He's got some swagger. He's got some meanness. Evidence of the little bye-bye-bye, you ain't touching me in in, in Dallas. Talking about hasta la vista, baby. So my, my breakout is Aaron Jones. I love uh, you. You know, you mentioned all the, the wonderful stats and whatever, but the his pass protection has gotten ridiculously. Um, that's almost become one. I'd say his uh, one of his best traits, honestly. And then you know um, that that play with MVS um, oh, still really yeah. sticks out in my mind, yeah. where he kind of had that CLN block, which I think they you know after the play it was like was that well, was that even part of the play call necessarily, or was that just him, you know? vibing off of what was going on and be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to set my man MVS free down the sideline. So either way, I, I actually completely agree with your call. I'm, so I'm going to just kind of ride on your coattails there. But the funny thing is too, right now, for those that can't see, I'm waving my fists in the air. Like I just don't care. I feel like you were doing one of those dances that, uh, I, you know, I, I can't remember what it's called. One of the, one of the can't, yeah, dances that the kids are doing these days where their legs are kicking. Uh, who knows? Oh yeah, I had like an um, invisible shake weight. That's what my hands <laughs> yeah, look like. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But the funny thing is, so you know, obviously, uh, not to bring up Mike McCarthy again, but so all of last year, uh, Aaron Jones carried the ball 133 times. This year already, he's at 122. That's ridiculous. <laughs> So I think that's, uh, I mean, that that right there is just, uh, again, that might, more... Uh, that might get it, keep him from getting a job. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we were texting her, I don't know if that was after, yeah. or I, remember, I think we were talking about that during the game. Just this, you know, like, what, just how good Rodgers and obviously, you know, uh, not not including this past sa- Sunday, um, but with how good Rodgers, the, the offense had been kind of chugging along there. Yeah, how the hell does Mike McCarthy get a job again? I, I don't know. Not to not to bring this down, but that's yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I I mean what you just you just bestowed is shocking. I didn't I didn't I mean you you know that he's getting utilized. I think that's crazy. Like, yeah. Well, that's not even total. T- I I didn't I didn't even factor in catches. That's just rushes. I wonder what like the whole deal was last year. That's so wild. I don't. I think honestly, uh, again, I, I hate bringing up McCarthy again, but. I feel like McCarthy's ideal running back is Eddie Lacy, and he he really just couldn't figure out how to use a guy but that can catch passes and, and do everything. Uh, maybe not. Who knows that? That's the only thing I can think. Of. That's the only reason I can think of. Yeah, I. We should do an episode solely solely on Mike McCarthy because I've got many yeah. thoughts running through what my head. What the hell right. was he? What the hell was he thinking? I 
Well, I just want to see the, I mean, the juxtaposition of how he started compared to like, how, I mean, everything has, you know, peaks and valleys and trials and tribulations arise and fall, heads, tails. Oh, for sure. Uh, but um, yin and yang. Potato, potato. No. Any, any other, <laughs> any other uh, juicy information on our boy, Aaron Jones, Showtime? Uh, no, no, I think, I think you, you covered, a, you covered a good majority of it from uh, your boy, uh, Kip. What do you, what do you say? Joe Kip? Joe Kip. Joe Kip. Yeah. He, uh, a nice article on, uh, NFL spin zone, but yeah, he, uh, highlights just overall grades and, uh, got my Elton Jenkins information from there as well as my Aaron Jones information. But, uh, since I stole your thunder with, the with the breakout, and uh, do you see the little difference with the sleeper and breakout? I mean, I do now. I do. I think I understand. Finally. I didn't. That I sounded. That sounded condescending. I didn't mean to be condescending. If that's how I. Came no, no, no. I, I I was looking for an education on what the hell the difference was, and I I think that makes sense. I'll, I I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I feel like I might be underselling Elton Jenkins, and I might be underselling Aaron Jones as a breakout. Maybe he should be MVP. But I'm really curious, who is your? MVP of the Green Bay Packers at the midseason mark as the Packers stand at seven and two. So Bryce, you know, obviously we've been doing this for a couple of years and, you know, uh, uh, some of some of these award things, I like to step outside of the box just a tiny bit. And so my MVP of the midseason awards is none other than uh, our general manager, Brian Gutekunst, actually. Oh, man. Nice. Because um, nice. I love I, it. I, there's no way in my mind I could not, you know, I, you know, obviously you could say Aaron Rodgers, you could say Aaron Jones, who you, you know, obviously were hemming and hawing about. Could that be your breakout? Could that be your MVP? But I just think with what's, you know, so Brian Gutekunst, you, you chalk out under hiring LaFleur, obviously with uh, influence from uh, Mark Murphy there. But, you know, hiring LaFleur, which then, like we just mentioned, the effect on Aaron Jones, who's 180, 150 all-purpose yards, 11 touchdowns. The uh, Rodgers on, on a, wasn't, you know, still eh, probably in the MVP conversation once he gets back on track here. 17 touchdowns, two picks, 18 total touchdowns, best completion percentage since 2016, best yards per attempt since 2014. Then you go into the defensive side. You have the Smith brothers, uh, Zadarius, eight and a half sacks, already tied a career high. You have Preston Smith, eight sacks, ties a career high. You have 22 pressures from Preston. You have 25 pressures from uh, Zadarius. Then you, and, and and it's like, okay, well, th that could have been enough by itself. Then you jump into the safety position. You have Adrian Amos, who has completely locked that position down from where we had, and, you know, what's his name last year? Ha ha. Just freaking hilarious. And Kentrell, Twin Dicks. And, and Kentrell Bryce. And Kentrell Bryce. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And then again, again, just uh, again, if that's not even enough, you go out and draft Darnell Savage, who I think up until the point of his injury was was in the conversation and probably would still be in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year. But, you know, since that point in the time he's been out, I think, you know, guys like uh, was it Joey Bosa or no, Nick Bosa, uh, whichever one's in San Francisco, I was I confused the two um, has kind of jumped and taken that award and I think has gone away with it but you know those two together Amos and Savage locking the safety position down for the next few years to go and then the way that you know build the outside linebacker position after I mean what was it Jesus in the first like couple weeks 
Uh, Zadarius and Preston Smith just combined had outsacked and outpressured all year last yeah. year of Clay Matthews and Nick Perry combined. I mean, that's just that's just insanity. And and then of course, you know, you mentioned El- Elton Jenkins as your your sleeper. He was another reason under my you know just accolades for Brian Gutekunst was a you know second round pick. And I totally agree with you that I think he won't get it because he's an offensive lineman and it just goes unheralded. But I think he should definitely be in the conversation for offensive rookie of the year. Absolutely. I, I, I love what you did there. I was not expecting that whatsoever. (laughs) That, that, that's beautiful. We're going to wrap up with the, I'm, I'm just in awe. That was actually, I was not expecting Brian Gutekunst, but you are totally right. I mean, there are definitely things that I, I mean, you always live and learn and, I'm sure he's going to, and he's been a man of his word, uh, leaving no stone unturned. A swing and a miss, maybe uh, financial-wise, with Jimmy Graham and Billy Turner, but bringing in the Smiths, bringing in Amos, the draft picks so far, even though I said that Jair Alexander is uh, is disappointing or perplexing, I do think that he is the stickiest defender in the NFL, and my hope is that with his confidence, his reflection, that he'll continue to grow. That's why I felt so guilty about doing that category. But my MVP, and it's probably, it might be a no-brainer. I might go a little traditional. I I really did think about Aaron Jones. And I did want to mention Aaron Jones, too, as well, is that Jones was, in October, Jones was second in the NFL in yards from scrimmage with 551, first in receiving yards by a running back with 280, first in total touchdowns with seven, He's the only he was the only player with at least 250 rushing yards and 250 receiving yards during the, that month or during the month and his seven touchdowns were most by uh, Packers running back since Turdell Middleton scored eight in 1978. So I mean, th- there could be an argument for for Aaron Jones for being MVP, but I'm gonna go with the other Aaron. And Aaron Rodgers, there were a, there's a lot of speculation going into this season of how is he going to get along with with Coach Lafleur? Is he a, is he a leader? I had concerns too of when you have a collarbone injury that was that significant, and you have a plate put in, and was it seven eight screws? What does that do to your range of motion? Does it minimize? Do you have to make some sort of accommodations in order to? Be as uh, elite as as Aaron Rodgers is, but what I think is so impressive with with Aaron Rodgers is, um, like you had mentioned, that he's he's on pace to have one of his best seasons last time since 2014, which is MVP year. And when you're looking at it right now, he sits at 2,485 yards, uh, 17 touchdowns to two interceptions, and a QBR rating right now of 104.4. The run the table year, he was at 104.2. 2013 before his first collarbone injury he was at 104.9 and if you think about it and then what blew that out of the water was 2011 where he threw for almost 5,000 yards 45 touchdowns and six interceptions for a 122.5 QBR rating rating. oh my gosh and how he didn't win a Super Bowl here unbelievable it's no wonder people think he sucks every single year after that it's like come on man you just set the bar to like the impossible reachable like uh, that's just yeah and let's not forget that he's also chipped in 120 yards on the ground as well. The guy Devonte Adams has said um, has had that has that playoff look. I like how reflective he is. I like how he talks about humble pie. I know he's going to go to work 
I'm just glad he's our quarterback. I'm glad that him and Coach LaFleur have this relationship that's continuing to bud. This loss, I think, is going to be the same th- same way with the Philadelphia Eagles where it they went back to the drawing board. They collected themselves. They reflected. I think moving forward, I think this loss is going to bode well with them because the schedule doesn't get easier. But as long as you got... Aaron Rodgers and what you said, Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Jones and so on and so forth. I think the sky's the limit. This was a fun depart and interrupted. Our third one, uh, I'm looking forward to doing end of the season awards with you, my brother from another mother, as we dive into the bellows of the bay, naked cannonball style. I don't get to see your body, but just so you know, I miss your body. Any lasting words as we wrap up numero trace of the bearded duo sessions? I just, I just love seeing the hint of your shoulder in this uh, in our little Skype session we got going here. And I will say, I also love your uh, another obscure reference of uh, what was Turdell. What was his name? Turdell Middleton. Turdell Middleton. So hopefully the LA Times will write an article about Turdell Middleton this week. Let's do it. And if so, we've got a mole in our unit. <laughs> and we'll have to figure out if it's you or me. But uh, until again, my friends, we bid adieu. For the Bearded Duo Sessions numero trace, uh, I miss your body, my friend. Uh, welcome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this was a fun departed interrupted. I'm looking forward to another Bearded Duo Session number four. We might have to do maybe some obscure Brett Favre references. Uh, who knows? Uh, the Packer Report got Gilbert Brown. Maybe we can get Brett Favre in for the Unknown Packers podcast. But till again, my friend, my brother from another mother, I am your co-host, Bryce Christensen. I'm Jeremiah Wayman. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is The Unknown Packers Podcast.